Welcome to Hope Assembly of God Online. We believe no matter the journey, there is always hope. This is a recording of our live Sunday sermon, unedited, uncut, real. I've said it before and said it often and I'll continue to say it is that I, I hate death and I'm, and I'm tired of death. Along with the you know, exciting things that we've had going on, we participated and were honored to in a funeral this past week of Carmela de Silvio. But what differentiates someone that knows the Lord and someone that doesn't is even in the midst of sorrow, there's joy. And her daughter and sister did such a beautiful job of sharing her life story. And again, I was privileged to be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ and that we have hope in him. Uh, because along with all of the good, we do face difficult times, and, and death is one of, those, one of those things. It hits everyone, and I don't mean that we're all going to die, but we've all been impacted by someone else's death. And sometimes it happens after a, a long, longer sickness, and sometimes it happens unexpectedly. But what I've found uh, through pastoral ministry, it doesn't matter if you kind of knew that it was going to happen or if it, un it happened unexpectedly, the pain and the grief is still very, very real because you're never ready for your loved one to pass no matter what the circumstances are. But the reason that Christian funerals are different is because we know that that's not the end of the story. And the reason it's not the end of the story is because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the eighth unshakable promise. Catch that word, unshakable. The eighth unshakable promise is that death has been defeated. Amen? Now, your paper today is going to have the whole outline that I'm going to preach, as well as all of the scriptures. The reason I did it this way is because there's too many scriptures to go through up front, and to put that all together uh, is just, it, it was just more than I had time to do this week. Um, for that. So this, this we put together, you have it, you can use it for later. The scriptures, uh, except for the first one I'm going to share, are all based in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we'll just walk through those and you can follow along. Uh, there's no fill in the blanks uh, for this one, but I did highlight some key words that I think will help give emphasis to it as you, as you uh, follow along. Um, so we talked about how we hate death. You know who else hates death is God. God hates death, and that's why he did something about it. Did, did God cause death to happen? No. Adam and Eve caused death to happen. And you say, well, then why did God permit it? And that's always the question for the unexplainable. Well, the best explanation I can give is that free will has a positive side and a negative side, and it's just like fire. The fire that you use to heat your house can be the same fire that might burn your house down. See, there's two sides to free will. The positive side is that God has given us the ability to choose that we're not puppets, and he doesn't just, you know, with strings and dictate everything that we do, that we have free will in that. And the desire of God's heart is that we willingly choose to accept him and to love him. And you understand that love that's forced is not love at all. Okay, And so God has given us free will. The other side of free will is evil. When people choose to do what's wrong, sickness, death, and evil has entered into this world. Is God the cause? No, he's not the cause of it. 
And so God, in his wisdom, power, uh, and uh, all knowledge, has decided that he's going to do something about death. You understand that God was powerful enough and had the right to kill Adam and Eve on the spot. You catch that, right? Because he's God and they sinned, and the wages of sin is what? But God chose not to. He chose to extend grace to them in the fact that he let them live. There were consequences. They weren't going to live in the Garden of Eden, okay? But he allowed them to live, and then he ushered in, and he had this plan from the beginning. It's a little, I'm getting a lot of feedback uh, here. Um, he, he had this plan from the very beginning, which is, I can't wrap my head around that Christ was slain from the foundation before time, that's a little beyond what I can understand. Um, but he began his plan of salvation in the garden. He said, here's the consequence to your sin, but here's what's going to happen. There's someone that's coming uh, who's going to crush the head of Satan. His heel will be bruised, but he will crush the head of Satan. And we know that is Jesus. And we know that his heel being bruised was on the cross, but we know that he defeated Satan, and that's the good news. See, I hate death because of what it does. God hates death because of what it does. And therefore, he did something about it by sending his son to die on the cross for our sins. There's two points that I want to make uh, today. And number one is, why is the resurrection important in the overall scheme of things? And number two is, why is the resurrection important to me? Now, the resurrection is one of those topics that there's a lot. And so I've kind of tried to stick to 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, in it, the best, the best that I can. And you'll see it. Why is the resurrection important? Letter A, if you're following along, it proves that Jesus is who he says he is. Because Jesus said this long before he was ever arrested. He said this in Mark 8.31, that's not on your paper, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders. So he already said, here's the plan, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to suffer, going to be rejected, uh, by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, all the religious leaders, and be killed. And after three days, I will rise again. After three days, I will rise again. He said this long before it ever happened. If he didn't rise again, then he's not the son of God. He's a liar in that he knew he wasn't going to rise again. He was... Uh, mistaken in that he thought that he was going to rise again, or he was just crazy. He believed he was going to rise again. But if he didn't rise from the dead, then he is certainly not the son of God. He's certainly not the sinless lamb. And so the resurrection proves that Jesus is exactly who he says he is. He's not a false prophet. He was a true prophet sent from God. So let me put it to you in these terms. Let's imagine this, that in September... I said, God told me that the Steelers were going to beat the Eagles this year. And in, in September, now you have to catch this. In September, I said that God told me and that I'm going to build a religion based on God told me. In September, that the Steelers were going to beat the Eagles and not just beat them, but they were going to beat them 42 to nothing. That sounds nice. It's exciting. And everybody in Pittsburgh would have been very happy about that. But the reality is, that's okay, thank you. The reality is that on October 30th, something else happened. And what happened? 
What happened on October 30th? Come on. The kids are all right. They're fine. Dad's here. He's got everything under control. What happened? Yeah. On October 30th, the Eagles beat the Steelers. Therefore, because I said God told me, I now become a what? A false prophet. All right? So my word in that regard cannot be trusted. Even though I said I'm a prophet, even though I said God told me, it doesn't matter if it doesn't come true. But everything that Jesus said came true. And he said very clearly, not just in Mark, but all throughout the Gospels, not just one time, but multiple times, everything that was going to happen, and on the third day he was going to rise again. And guess what he did on the third day? He rose again. Therefore, the resurrection proves that Jesus is exactly who he said he is. The second thing that the resurrection proves is that our worship is not foolish. Oh, let me go backwards because I don't want to miss this funny illustration. Some people would say um, that Jesus didn't die, but he swooned, that he wasn't completely dead. Okay? And, but the scriptures say, and you have that on there, I'm, I'm jumping uh, th through some of this quickly. In 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, uh, it says, I pass on to you what's most important, what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins. The doctrine of Christianity is that Jesus was dead. Okay, just as scripture said, he was buried. Why was he buried? Because he was what? Dead. And he was raised from the... Okay, so you cannot be... This is a problem for me, isn't it? This is my problem, isn't it? What can I do about it? On my sweater? But how will I look? That was funny. You guys didn't catch that. I said, how will I look? And he said, it won't make any difference. How's that? Let's try that. Nope. Now I'm getting, he's adjusting it, getting some feedback here. Oh, there we go. That's better. Is that better for everybody? Okay, does anybody remember what I was saying? No. He, no, he died. Why did they bury him? Because he was dead. Okay? You cannot be a Christian... And, and, and believe, a Bible-believing Christian, you can call yourself whatever you want. I call myself thin, still not true. Okay, you can call yourself whatever you want. But you cannot be a Bible-believing Christian and believe that Jesus swooned when the Bible says very clearly he died. So there was a great radio preacher, and just a great preacher in general, named J. Vernon McGee. Has anybody ever heard of him? Okay? My dad used to love to listen to him. My dad traveled a lot and used to love to listen to him. Well, someone wrote a letter. Now, if you're younger, you might not get this. This is where you have paper and a pen, and it was probably written in cursive. Cursive. And someone sent uh, J. Vernon McGee a letter, and you would put a, this sticky thing in the corner. Okay? Uh, and the letter said this, our preacher said that on Easter Jesus just swooned on the cross and that the disciples nursed him back to health. What do you think? Well, J. Vernon McGee replied, well, dear sister, beat your preacher with a leather strap for 39 heavy strokes. Nail him to a cross, hang him in the sun for six hours, run a spear through his heart, embalm him, put him in an airless tomb for three days and see what happens. Why are those that are against Christianity, and whether they're in the pulpit or not, 
preacher that would believe in the swoon theory is not a preacher of the gospel. Okay? Why would they try to discredit resurrection? Because everything revolves around the resurrection. Everything revolves around the fact that Jesus is who he said he is, that the Steelers didn't win, the Eagles won, no matter what I said. Do you understand? And because that is true, our worship is not foolish. In verse 14 it says, And if Christ has not been raised, then all of our preaching is useless, and your faith is useless. If Christ not be raised, when you got out of your house and it was cold and the wind hit you, you should have just gone back to bed. Because that would be as meaningful as sitting here today. But because Jesus is risen from the dead, our worship matters. It's not useless. Our worship is not in vain, but it's in the victory that Jesus has won on the cross when he rose again on the third day. Amen? Now, that could be enough to send you home on. But that's not what's going to happen today, just so you know. I have a whole other point here. Nice to see Mary Jane with us. Mary Jane, raise your hand. Mary Jane's our financial secretary. I talk about her often, but now she's here, so I have to watch what I say. But what she told me today, uh, she whispered to me, which I didn't think was very nice. She said, I'm so glad to get away from my church so I can hear some real preaching. Some real preaching, she said. So that's not nice because your pastor is a very nice man. Her pastor is the nicest man on earth. His name is Ken Corson. And I stopped hanging around him because he's so nice, he's a bad influence on me. He would take all of the snark and sarcasm. I would have no personality left whatsoever if I was more like him. He's a wonderful man of God. It was funny. He, he wanted to use me as a reference to be ordained. And he called me and, yeah, I can do it. And I got it. And I thought to myself, I should have told him this. Listen, Ken, if they don't ordain you, they should take my ordination away. Uh, but we're glad to have Mary Jane uh, with us today. God bless you. God bless you, dear. And you can repeat any of that you want to your pastor. I don't care. Uh, you should hear what I say about you to him. But the second reason uh, that the resurrection is important, because it's important to me personally, Okay, in this life and in the life that is to come. That's point two. Letter A, there is more to life than this life. Can we say amen to that? If earth is as good as it gets, then we're in a whole lot of trouble. But as believers, there, there's more to life than, than this life. And, and, and there, there's good that happens in this life. And we rejoice over all of that good. But if I had my choice, you see, if I had my choice... Paul writes to the Corinthians in verse 19 says, And our hope in Christ Jesus, and if our hope, I should say, in Christ Jesus is only for this life, we are to be pitied more than anyone in the world. But this life isn't all there is. There's another life, and we're going to talk about that eternal life that God gives. Why? Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So at your worst day on earth, remember that there are better days ahead. And your worst day will at some point end, but your best day will never, ever end. I was thinking about what was the best day I've ever lived, and it probably was the, the birth of my children uh, most recently, besides every meal that my wife cooks, and that's true. Uh, it was Lindsay's wedding. It was the joy was overwhelming at her wedding. 
And, you know, I preached on that and I shared all those thoughts because preachers are always looking for more material, you know. Um, and I preached on all that, but it was, it was so joyful that I didn't even cry because there was so much joy going on there. And then I began to think, this is the greatest thing ever, and my greatest joy on earth is not going to compare with an ounce of what God has for us in store for all eternity. And sometimes we need to move from putting the object of our attention on earthly things and put more attention on heavenly things. And what will happen is it will help you get through the earthly things. Because the more attention you pay to temporal matters, the less attention you're paying to eternal matters. I mean, it just makes sense. But the more you focus on there are better days ahead, and while I'm here, God gives me the grace to make it through today. The more we focus on those things, the more the resurrection becomes real to us because none of that would be true if Jesus hadn't risen from the dead. Letter B, I was dead, but now I'm alive. Just as everyone dies in verse 22, because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. When Adam sinned because he's our father, all of us were born into sin. His seed was passed on to all of us. Now watch this. This is a very important point. The reason Jesus had to be born of a virgin is so that the sin of Adam wouldn't be passed on to Jesus. That's why Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. You see that? And so if the virgin birth isn't true, which the same crew that believes in the swoon theory believes that there is no virgin birth because that's impossible, which I would say, yeah, that's the whole point. The whole point is that it's impossible. That's why it had to be God. Okay? So they have to take out the resurrection. They have to take out the virgin birth. And if you take those things out, then all of Christianity crumbles. But Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, so sin would not be passed on. So he was the only sinless man ever to live after Adam. Okay? Okay? And so because we all died in Adam, now we have life in Jesus Christ. We are born in this earth in a sense. I have to be careful because I know this has really happened to people. But we're born not spiritually alive. We become spiritually alive when we're born again. You see how that works? We're born dead in our trespasses and sins because it's passed on through Adam. When we're born again, we receive the Spirit of Christ. See? And that's what will live on forever. So even though I was dead, now I'm alive because Jesus rose from the dead. Let her see, when I die, then I will live. Isn't that awesome? When I die, then I will live. But there's an order in verse 23 to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. And in other places it would say the firstborn from among the brethren. Okay? But he was the first in the harvest, but not the last. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised. See? Why? Because we shared in the death of Christ. We share in the resurrection of Christ. You see that? Now, I, we're going to do water baptism again in January. Whatever the second Sunday in January is, we're going to do water baptism. So if you're interested in that, write, write a note. You can even put it on one of the prayer cards or on one of these connection cards, and we'll get back to you on that. But watch, watch how we baptize. We baptize by full immersion, 
in our church circles because it represents death and what? Yeah, see? Old life is past, new life has come. That matters because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why the resurrection is important. When I die, I live. Christ was the first, but not the last. I will live with Him for all eternity. And I've said this multiple times, but I want you to catch it. You know, we have new people and things changing all the time, so I've learned that it's okay to repeat myself. I spent decades wanting to not repeat myself, and then I realized two things. There's new people, and the people that were there don't remember. Uh, so it's okay to repeat myself. And now I'm so old, I repeat myself, and I don't even know that I repeated myself. That's how it works. So I'm going to repeat this. We as believers don't look over our shoulder for the grim reaper. We look up to heaven for eternal life. People that are afraid of death and constantly living in fear, oh, the grim reaper's coming, the grim reaper's coming. Not believers. Life is coming. Life. Eternal life. That's what I'm looking forward to. Yes, will our bodies all die and accept the, the Lord come? Yes, it will. And some of us, I mean, this is kind of morbid, but, but some of us will go quickly and some of us won't. All of these things we can't control. Let me tell you a little personal thought here. When I came to the church, I was 32 years old. The, my first three years in the church, 32, 33, 34, there were more funerals than I could keep up with. And that's true. It was an older congregation at the time, and that's just the way it was. Well, I had dealt with death and suffering so much at an early age. Now, think back on your life. If it wasn't for church life, how, how many of you at 32, 33, 34 had never even been to a funeral necessarily? And yet, I was like, it, it felt like I was living in the midst of suffering and death. And it kind of freaked me out for decades uh, because I kept worrying about, well, what if I end up dying like that. And I've seen people in the worst of circumstances, the worst, where we would leave places, and some of you were with me, and we would just get to the lobby of the wherever we were visiting and say, God, you know, be merciful here. What, what, what's, what's going on? Some of you remember that because you were with me. And it just was, it was freaking me out. It was making me scared. And then somebody said to me one time as I was sharing this, well, here's the deal. There's nothing you can do about it either way because it's not in your hands. Wait a minute, I've been preaching the gospel for 25 years at that point. And the reality is there's nothing you can do about it. And then as I began to think on that more, I began to realize the grace that has gotten me to this point will be the grace that's there at whatever point that is. That's how you have to live. Because if not, you're going to be fearful of death and dying, which is even more frightening than death. You understand? But the grace that has gotten you through will get you through to the other side. And since he rose from the dead, death and dying is only on this side of things and not on the other side of things. When I die, that's when I live. Letter D. Look at it, read it, and somebody say amen. You didn't read it yet because I would have got a bigger amen if you read that. We're going to get a better body. 
For those of you that are in your early 20s and you still have the best body you'll ever have for the rest of your life, you don't understand. You don't understand what it's like when you get out of bed and you think your wife brought in Rice Krispies. Anybody get that or no? Did that go over your heads? Snap, crackle, pop, thank you. We'll wait. We'll wait for you. The best humor is when you don't get it all at once and it just kind of goes in waves. But the good news is, is I will receive a better body. What I'm saying, dear brothers, in verse 50 and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, why? Let me just throw that out to you. Why? Why can't our physical bodies inherit the kingdom of God? And there are several reasons. They're corrupted. They're sin. They're broken. They're dying. <laughs> okay? And, and that's just a fact. These dying bodies, it says that there, uh, uh, cannot inherit what will last forever. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret, he says in verse 51. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. And he means by that, if the Lord comes back, then we're not going to die a physical death, okay? So we'll not all die, but all of us, whether we're here when he returns or, or we're, we die here on earth, all of us will be transformed. And it will happen how fast? What's it say? In the blink of an eye. That's how fast it'll happen. When the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. We're going to receive better bodies when we get to heaven. So in the online service, I asked the question, how old are we going to be when we get to heaven? I don't know. But I do know that for me, the perfect body is 6'4", 210. And I also know that my issue is not a weight issue, it's a height issue. If I was 6'6", oh, and hair, and dark, perfect. Instead, by the time I die, 5'3", bald, big as a house. as wide as I am tall to the glory of God. Body, I'm going to start a new podcast. It's called Body by Buffet. That just came to me, Kenny. We, Kenny and I were talking about podcasts. That's not bad. We, we'll wear our pants up here. Yeah, don't forget the pants up here. My tie will be this big. Many of you will get to see this, hopefully. Be this big. If you're Italian, you know exactly because we had grandparents like that. Anyway, we'll get a new body. That's good news. E, and I'm, I'm finishing up. E, let me reiterate this. Death does not win. Now talk to my the Silvio clan because I, I have inserted myself into their family. They didn't really ask I just kind of inserted myself into the Silvio family. The good news is, is not that your mom and aunt and sister passed. The good news is, is that death didn't win. And the good news is, is she's more alive than we are. That's the good news. Death 
does not and will not win for the believer. Verse 54, then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Thank God. How many times have I shared that at the graveside of a believer? Many times. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Oh, death. I like, I like Paul's sarcasm here. Where's your victory? Well, actually, it's Old Testament, but Paul's using it. Where's your victory? Oh, death. Where's your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death. And the law gives sin its power. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Death does not win. Jesus wins. Because he conquered the grave. And letter F and lastly. This one was interesting because it's interesting that he puts it right at the end of this chapter. This whole chapter on the resurrection. And Letter F is, I will not give up serving the Lord. And the, the, the second part of that is, is because Jesus rose from the dead. Because Jesus rose from the dead, I will not give up serving the Lord. Look what he says. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Maybe we could use the word unshakable. Be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. We had a crew here yesterday preparing for the uh, youth and family life uh, dinner uh, today. And they were working hard. I mean, like, hard work, peeling potatoes hard work and not a potato. Like, I don't know how many pounds. 25 pounds of hand-peeling potatoes. That's work, Okay. You know what else was going on here? And they're setting the table and they're rolling the napkins and it was young and old and older. I was the oldest one there, but, you know, real young and kind of young. And you know what I saw on their faces was, was, was smiles and joy to be able to serve the Lord and serve God's people, to be able to use their gifts and abilities for the glory of God. And you know what they were doing? They were serving and working enthusiastically because they were doing it for the Lord. If you're in ministry or you've been involved in any type of ministry, it can be draining and you can lose the fact very quickly of who you're serving. You got to get, if you're feeling like you're tired of people, you need to get back to the understanding you're serving the Lord first. And the second understanding, this is leadership, you ain't the Lord. Okay? Serve the Lord first with that recognition, you ain't the Lord. And you can quote me on that. Okay? Serve enthusiastically for the Lord. Here's why. Because you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever in vain, is ever useless. You wouldn't have known that they peeled 25 pounds of potatoes if I hadn't told you, but they did it for the Lord they, and others. I'm just using that as an example. And others and all that you guys did. I'm, I'm not minimizing anybody else's service. I'm just using that as an example. You would have never known because they didn't do it for glory here on this earth. 
They did it for the glory of the Lord because they serve a God that has risen from the dead. And they do it enthusiastically because they want others to know that Jesus is alive, that Jesus is well. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. As we learned, he's interceding for us as believers while we wait his return. Well, he'll make everything right. That death doesn't win. Death has been defeated. We don't have to fear death. We look forward to eternal life. Why? Because Jesus has risen from the dead. An unshakable promise, unshakable hope, number eight, death has been defeated. All God's people said. I'm going to tell you one more story here. I found this this week in, in preparation. You're not going to want to miss this. Winston Churchill, if you know Winston Churchill, he was the Prime Minister of England during the Second World War. And he helped lead them to victory. And he told the multitudes, we'll fight them at every turn. We'll fight them on land. We'll fight them on the shore. And he motivated them uh, to win World War II. It's an interesting fact about his life. He got voted out the next term. Politics is a tricky thing. But he brought them through. And Churchill was a, an interesting uh, guy. And so you won't be surprised if you know anything about it. He planned out his own funeral. Okay, because he wanted to make sure that everything was, was done the way that he wanted it to do. So he arranged his own funeral, and there were beautiful stately hymns at St. Paul's Cathedral and an impressive service and liturgy, high church, if you know what that is. But at the end of the service, Churchill had done something unusual. And that when they said the benediction, a bugler high in the dome of St. Paul's Cathedral played this. And then after a pause, on the other side of the cathedral, another bugler played this. Taps represents the end of one day. Reveille represents the beginning of a new day. Because death has been defeated. Jesus is risen from the dead. And when this life ends, eternal life just begins. Amen. Thank you for listening to Hope Online Podcast. For more information about Hope Assembly of God, go to www.godgivesyouhope.com or download our app in the App Store.